and welcome to Make Mine Multiversity, the best podcast in our universe for exploring the Marvel multiverse. I'm Jake Hill. And I'm Elias Rosner. And uh, this week, we're going to be discussing our Marvel history. Excelsior. Yeah. So uh, we're going to be talking about our Marvel history, our origin story with Marvel. I think um, we felt that since we were coming in as new hosts, it would just be interesting to give listeners a chance to... um, get to know us and our connection to some of these characters. And I kind of, you know, Elias and I have been doing various projects together for years now, but I don't know uh, exactly how Marvel, uh, how Elias got into this crazy thing called Marvel. Yeah, so I'm and I realized we should have done our introduction as, hi, I'm Elias, and I was bitten by a radioactive spider. Um, Ugh, missed opportunities. I, yeah, although uh, I can't claim to have been bitten by a radioactive spider. The most radioactive creature to have ever bitten me. No, he's a spider. You got me. <laughs> sure, it wasn't a human. I've never been bitten by a radioactive human. Um, We're all radioactive. So, so to start, Elias, I have a question for you that uh, might not, like, I wonder if you can even remember. I had tr- trouble remembering as far as I was concerned. But do you remember your first encounter with, like, anything Marvel and knowing that it was a Marvel thing? Yes. So my first encounter with Marvel um would have to be so my dad is a big uh comics fan or my dad really only follows one comics writer um and that was j michael straczynski Uh, interesting he also he also followed uh buffy the vampire slayer um because he really liked that show but j michael straczynski is like that that's the only writer uh comics that he'll he'll really read in his adult life is he um I'm guessing he's a fan of Babylon 5 and anti-fascist policies, politics. He's a huge fan of Babylon 5. Uh, and he kind of got me into, he got me into comics uh, with the Amazing Spider-Man run uh, that J. Michael Straczynski wrote. So he would, like, he would read them in his chair uh, and I would uh, crawl over his, his arm uh, and try to read it as well. Uh, and I was like six at the time or something. Uh, and he would, you know, every so often there would be an issue and he he would read it uh, in front of me and concurrently. And I wouldn't understand any of it. And I just kind of remember him reading it. But then years later, um, we started, me and my brother, uh, and we would like sit on the bed, kind of look over his shoulder. And he would read aloud every issue to us. And he started from the beginning. Your voices. We read Civil War. We read all the Civil War tie-ins. Uh, a lot of them were kind of crap. Uh, but that is true. That was like that was my first encounter with Wolverine. Uh, that was my first encounter with Moon Knight and a uh, bunch of other heroes that Doctor Strange. Uh, that they just had these random tie-ins to Civil War, and we got like issue forty-five of uh, some other series. Uh, a Punisher, Punisher's War Journal. Um, so that was that that was my first exposure to Marvel. My dad's first exposure to Marvel was he he he's been buying comics since uh I think since Marvel first launched basically. He had he used to have Daredevil number 1 and a lot of those number 1s um they all disappeared one day uh from from his family basement. So we'll never know what happened to all those older comics, but he he's been a huge comics fan and that kind of translated to me. Wow. I did yeah. not realize that. Uh, well, for me, 
you know, so I was really racking my brain because I do remember I have a somewhat similar story with um I know my dad was a, uh, a casual comics fan and he thought that I would like it, but that, that happens a little later. But I was really reaching back, and I think my earliest memory of a Marvel thing is um when I was a very young child and I was born in 1988, which might help uh place this in time for some people. Um, I remember the X-Men animated series. I remember the theme song. I remember the colors of it. Like I remember where I watched it and what I, the graham crackers that I was snacking on in like our family living room. Like I really remember uh, the X-Men animated series. And I remember just like falling in love with that. And I wanted X-Men toys and action figures. And I wanted, um, we had a bowling alley near where I grew up um, that had the X-Men arcade game in it. And uh, sometimes I would uh, put my hands on the joysticks with the, without having any quarters and just pretend I was playing the demo. Oh, I did the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think a lot of kids do that. Um, but just like to be near the X-Men characters always felt very cool to uh, little kid me. Um, and it's funny because for years I kind of forgot that X-Men was like my first thing. Um, but And I, I rewrote the story in my head. But really the animated series was my first exposure to like a lot of stuff. Wow, that's pretty cool. As you were talking, I'm like, oh shit, I probably did see at some point just randomly on the TV the Spider-Man animated TV show. I eventually got into that one too because that had that had reruns. Um, that that and the Avengers Earth Earth's Mightiest Avengers uh, tided me over when I was not reading comic books. Uh, the um, Earth's Mightiest Heroes cartoon from like the 2010s. Yeah, 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 yeah. That yeah. came out when I was in college, and I was very into that. I'm afraid to go back to learn if it wasn't fantastic, but I think they did a great job of condensing and, and bringing all of these like classic Marvel stories onto the screen and making them actually work. I stand by it and it's on Disney plus and I recommend going back. Like, to it. I think uh, Secret invasion. Secret invasion. Best it was ever told was in that cartoon. Oh yeah. Um, so was oh, you, yeah. so that, was that your first comic was, um, was a J. Michael Straczynski Spider-Man comic. That was the first comic issue you remember getting. Yeah, uh, well, not getting it. They were never mine. They were my dad's. Um, Do you remember what your first comic was? Like the first one that you owned? The first Marvel comic I purchased. Because um, I definitely read... Uh, did I read anything from the library at then? No, I didn't. I, I had only read whatever my dad owned. Um, but the first Marvel comic I purchased was uh, Thor number 1 uh, in 2014. The Jane Foster series. Um oh. It was, uh, well, it was either that or Unbeatable Squirrel Girl number one. I don't know which one came out first. Um, but the one of those two um, were the first one that I purchased. Uh, and then uh, I probably also purchased in that area uh, Ms. Marvel. And then at some point, I got some older stuff and other weirder stuff, whatever was on sale and bundles. And that's how my comic reading expanded. Um, but those were the first the first comics from Marvel that I definitely purchased. Uh, what about you? What was your first, I guess, first read and then first purchased? Um, well, uh, I guess it's kind of uh, largely the, it's, it's pretty similar because um, so the first comic I issue I own and I still have it somewhere, although it's in terrible condition and I did not bag and board it is um my dad knew that I was kind of into this X-Men stuff a little bit and we had just moved and um, there was a video rental store near our new home in Westchester, New York. 
and uh, they had a spinning rack of comics and he would go and he would rent VHSs and we'd rent like, uh, you know, like Steven Spielberg movies. And mm -hmm. he started uh, coming home with like a VHS and he would buy me some comics for like a couple of quarters. So the very first comic I owned was X-Men number one, the Chris Claremont, Jim Lee one. I had multiple covers. I had the Magneto cover. Um, I had no idea what was going on in this comic. I read it 10,000 <laughs> times trying to solve the riddle of it. And it was just like, I, I was like, it's X-Men number one. Why is this? Why does it seem like all these characters already know each other? Um, and this really frustrated me as a little kid. Um, I also just Googled what my other first comic was that we got that same day. And it was a web of Spider-Man numbers 91 and 92, which um, is like not uh, doesn't contain a lot of famous Spider-Man characters, but all the weirdos that it, the foreigner is the main villain in it, who is not a very well-loved Spider-Man villain. And, is this uh, smack dab in the middle of the clone saga? Don't think it was smack dab in the middle of the clone saga. Um, but I, I could be wrong. I was, um, I was a little kid, but I do remember, um, killer Shrike shows up in it. And to this day, I have a weird affinity to him as a villain since he was in one of the first comics I had purchased. And like killer Shrike is such a chump. What a lame <laughs> villain, but like God, when he shows up, he's like my lame villain. And I get really stoked for him. <laughs> um, and there was some other, I got some Hulk back in those days, but I didn't like Hulk. I thought he was mean. And I only liked it when he would team up with Spider-Man. Um, and this was the 90s, so I wasn't getting Fantastic Four because that wasn't cool. Um, but it was all about X-Men Spider-Man for me. Um, I believe it. <laughs> and then, um, so since purchasing that Jane Foster stuff, Elias, you've been pretty consistently following Marvel? I've been following I've... it that long, but uh, not consistently. Yeah. No, I've, I've, even if it was just Thor, Thor stuff, I've consistently followed uh, since then uh, pretty much. That was when I was kind of getting into comics because I was also doing a lot of like traveling, uh, like I was moving from place to place. So I didn't one, I didn't know where my nearest comic book store was. Uh, and two, I was moving so much and moving to a place that I didn't know where I could get physical comics. So I moved digital, which made a lot of this very easy. And I almost exclusively read comics digitally. Uh, so it's kind of weird saying that because that basically means that i have to get all of my comics through the uh very nice monopoly of amazon who owns comiXology yeah a lot of the other digital distribution platforms have since crumbled yeah they've either crumbled or they're uh not really there like kobo it's hard to get consistently comics on that it's not really built for it um or google play i don't particularly like using google play i wish there was this is a very big tangent but i wish there there was a better way of getting digital comics and a way of you know getting digital comics from and or supporting a print brick and mortar store you're like oh i'm i i don't necessarily want the physical issue in my collection but i would one like to have a drm free copy please marvel jesus christ it's the 21st century um, if people I hope are going to pirate your damn books. They're going to pirate your damn books. DRM well, is going to change that. Well, speaking of piracy, uh, so for me, in 96, 1996, um, X-Men Onslaught came out. And just like, um, I have since gone back and looked at it. It's a bad comic. But as a kid, it really upset me. <laughs> um, oh, no, why? It was, uh, well, first of all, it was just like bad. And I just could feel that it was bad. I was like, oh, are comics bad, actually? Was kind of how I felt when I was reading Onslaught. Um, but 
spoilers for Onslaught, I guess, but who cares? One, it opens with Professor X um, declares his romantic interest to Jean Grey, and there's this big retcon where everything Professor X ever did, he did because he was lusting after her. And as a little kid, this made me feel really uncomfortable and unsafe. Yeah, that's um, bad. Yeah, and I just like I knew that this was uncool, and it bothered me that he was her teacher. Um, and then the story ends with seemingly most of the superheroes in the Marvel universe dying. Um, I didn't, I was not, I didn't read that issue when they died, but I talked to a guy at the, a store who told me that, and I was like, oh, I'm glad I got out. And I got really mad at comics for many years. Um, wow. My best buddy bought me like Sandman and stuff, so I was reading. Uh, this is when by the time I'm in high school now, so I'm like reading some comics. Um, but, like, I'm totally out of the superhero game. But then that same buddy who gave me Sandman um, visits me in college, and he hands me this, like, really sketchy-looking DVD with, like, some marker, some letters written in marker. And he's like, what is this? It looks like some – it's Spider-Man, he tells me. And I was just like, Spider-Man on a DVD? And it turned out that um, it was a I probably bootleg, burned DVD that his, like, college roommate had given him of all of Brian Michael Bendis's Ultimate Spider-Man up until that point. Oh, wow. Uh, as .cbr files, and I had to figure out what that meant and how to open it and stuff. Uh, but then uh, he was, but then once we deciphered this, he was just like, "Oh, do you want this?" And I was like, "Yeah, I kind of want to know what this Ultimate Spider-Man. Why is he Ultimate?" And I ended up reading every comic on the DVD, and then going on Wikipedia and finding out everything that had happened since I stopped reading comics in, in Marvel in 1996. And I was just like, "Oh, there's new X-Men characters, and like Spider-Man has done all this, and Civil War had happened. Like, uh, this is around 2008 that I'm reading this." So there's been almost 10 years of Ultimate Spider-Man. Um, Dark Reign is just starting up. And that's when I really got back into Marvel in earnest. And I've been following Marvel pretty consistently since Dark Reign was the first time I started reading comics monthly in my life. Wow. In yeah. 2008, 2009. I guess I, I, I had a, a bit of a – I basically had a drought. But first time I started buying comics was, was a Thor number one right around there. Um, I my I whatever I read with my dad was basically all I had read until like sophomore year of high school where DC Steve um handed me the 52 novelization that we had found at a used bookstore when we were going around the country um and that started me on comics I bought Flashpoint from a store in Orlando at the Universal Studios uh theme park and that the rest is history that maybe I'll meet out one day. Um, yeah, we can get into my issue of it. But no, that's really interesting. I yeah. um... also we should say before we keep before we go get going, uh, piracy is bad. Please don't pirate. Uh, I mean, I have it's often more complicated, but like books I left this part out. Canceled been... because of it. Um, like. That's... I, from my experience, I so I, after I got that so that bootleg Spider-Man DVD, I did get into online piracy, and I was pirating like huge swathes of Marvel comics uh, in college, and like not thinking better of it. Um, but now I'm sitting in my room where I've tried to very slowly, as money has allowed me, um, uh, atone for my sins by purchasing everything that I pirated in paperback, and uh, that's where I live now. Is I try to buy everything in paperback, and I'm in a huge room surrounded by that collection, which is quite substantial now. Even if it's garbage. Um, yeah, if I stole it, then I, if I stole it and read it, then I think I gotta buy it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I mean, you know, you know, I'm I'm talking a big talk, uh, and that is what I believe is the right thing to do, but, like, have I bought Civil War, the, the miniseries in trade? I have not. Um, I've, like, 
Yeah, so like that's bad, and I, and I definitely downloaded that at one point. Oh god, I hope there's no statute of limitations on this. Now they have they have me. Um, well, I, I am not a copyright law expert. Uh, it's uploading that is the uh, legal problem. Maybe we'll just cut this section out. No, no, I mean, just like, avoid I, avoid any uh, Disney copyright lawyers coming down on us. They're we really litigious unless it's cops with a Punisher uh, skull on them. Oh. Um, <laughs> But um, I only bring this up to say that um, I just like if I'm I think it's a, we should have an honest conversation. And I did yeah. piracy helped me get into comics. That's definitely true. I wouldn't have been able to read as much as I wanted to at the time. Um, and then later I realized how messed up that was. And um, now I'm really fond of local libraries and I encourage uh, people to check them out. My library has uh, Hoopla yeah. Digital, which is how I read the, our book club book this month. Um, because Marvel Unlimited was letting me down because it's such a piece of crap to navigate their uh, their system. But Hoopla is great. And they don't have trades. Um, right, they don't have trades. You got to do issue by issue. Um, but Hoopla is great, and I do a lot of comics on as many as I can per month. And um, I also uh, use my library a lot, also because I I work at a library, and so I have easy access now. Yeah. If if you cannot afford comics and they're out in trade, use your library. They greatly appreciate it. It helps them with their circulation. They can then purchase more items uh, because they say, oh, hey, this many people checked it out. Um, so please, 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 please use your local library. Support your local library. They they need it. They deserve it. I'm also a librarian, so I am biased. But uh, Biased towards yeah. uh, public service in a great institution. Um, yeah, please. But that's enough of us uh, co-opting Stan Soapbox. Um, <laughs> we've been talking a lot about our personal history lives, but uh, I also want to know a little about your preferences. And like, I know stuff that you like from being friends with you for many years uh, through mm -hmm. our work together. But like, uh, I don't know your answer to this question. So, if you had to pick uh, your three Marvel heroes that were like your favorite heroes, that uh, and I guess also I would say uh, heroes who, if they're starring in a book, you'll always check it out. Um, you get you get excited over it. If your least favorite if your least favorite creator got this book, you'd be heartbroken. Um, who are your three favorite Marvel heroes, Elias? It would probably have to be I, not in any particular order. Um, but I really Jane Foster's Thor was so perfect, and I'm sad that she's no longer Thor, but she's now Valkyrie, and I'm loving that book. I will follow I guess Jane Foster now anywhere. Um, her character was elevated and, and created, you know, not perfect, but like, I think what Jason Aaron did with the character was amazing. Uh, and prior to that, I'd basically only known her from the very lackluster uh, version in the movies and uh, whatever uh, her presence was in the J. Michael Straczynski Thor run. But it's been so long since I've read that that I don't remember if she's actually in it. Uh, or how much? Not but very much. A little guess, bit. So Jane, Jane Foster, even so, technically not a hero, but but definitely a hero. Um, no, Jane, I mean, she's um, Jane Foster has taken on multiple identities, but Jane Foster yeah. is who you're responding to, not the identity of the God of Thunder. Like whatever. Yeah. If Jane Foster became Captain America, you would read that book in a heartbeat. Oh hell yeah! What are, so heartbeat. can I ask? What are you responding to with Jane Foster? Like, what is it about the character that makes her so quintessential to you? I think part of it was the way uh, her fitting into the narrative of uh, what Aaron was doing with the Thor character. Um, she truly felt like legacy. She felt like 
we're taking this we're moving forward we're not just spinning around with the same character the marvel universe felt like it was actually bringing something new and additive and even though she's no longer in that role the character has grown because of it and she is situated in a much much better place within the universe and i just i want to keep reading more stories with this character i really like the the way he defined her, the way he he kind of rewrote the book around her, um, and I think she, I think Jane Foster Thor has had some of the best Marvel cosmic stuff in a long time, uh, just because, by virtue of being, I, I guess Thor, because Thor is technically Marvel cosmic, like the Thor mythos, but. I guess most most of her best adventures were on Asgard and Earth. Um, it's interesting just, that you you responded so much to um, her relationship with Legacy because uh, one of my favorite Marvel characters or heroes um, is also very defined by uh, not being a more famous hero. Well, I and was that... gonna say maybe I'll I'll, I'll, ask, I'll ask who it is, but I've got two more heroes on your list. <laughs> oh yeah, I thought we were gonna do a back and forth, but go ahead. No, no, no. Go, go. This is probably better. Uh, yeah. Uh, my one of my heroes. I, this is no particular order. Is a uh, Laura Kinney, who uh, sometimes is known by X twenty three and sometimes has been Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking at the top of the show. I got a, I, a obviously a big relationship with X Men cartoons, and I love them. Um, yeah. And that's where Laura Kinney started. She uh, she showed up on the cartoons, and then in that college period when I was getting back into the comics, um, I was one of the first things I ended up reading was a new X Men Academy X which is a pretty cheesy comic, but eventually uh, that's what introduces her to the Marvel Universe proper and to the other characters. Um, and a lot of Laura Kinney stories are, like, bad, those early stories. Uh, NYX in particular is, like, I, I, is one of the most egregious, terrible things Marvel's ever published. It's real rough. Oh, no. Uh, they were trying to do, like, a issues book about, like, human trafficking and all this serious stuff, and it's like, ugh. They, they, real misfire, real, uh, real bad execution, in my opinion. Um, but I just like through that all, I just really responded to this Laura Kinney character. I also just like her goth vibe. I like, I it feels weird to say that I like that she's sad, but I, I like her broodiness, and that's like a you know, it's what what people like about Batman, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But then she had the run where she became Wolverine, and it became completely defined by Legacy. And Legacy is something that DC has done really well that Marvel has uh struggled with. And uh, when Laura becomes Wolverine, that's the best legacy comic ever, in my opinion. Her grappling with Wolverine's legacy of, like, violence and insanity and being a psycho, and her grappling with the fact that Wolverine was also a hero who, like, protected people, and how she wants to uh, do better on both counts. is just, like, powerful moving story. Love that shit. And I think Laura Kinney is just, like, Stone Cold Badass, one of the coolest Marvel heroes. The better Wolverine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want. I I was. I might have put her on the list, but I had a couple others um, that sit above for me. Uh, so one of the others, uh, as I mentioned before, is uh, good old Doreen Green, the unbeatable <laughs> Squirrel Girl. I I can't leave her off a list. She's got to be there. And maybe maybe I'm showing my cards in that most of the stuff that I ended up purchasing right away <laughs> are my favorite heroes. But like. She hasn't really been in a lot um, outside of her, you know, main series. But the main this 
series that she she headlined was such a breath of fresh air for you know i guess marvel comics in general but also for for superheroes because she approaches problems in a really unique way like i never knew how she was going to get out of the situation you always knew she was going to get out of it but you never knew how like galactus is coming to eat the planet so she goes up and finds him a planet made of acorns and befriends Galactus. Well, that, that's her thing, right? Her real superpower, friendship was the, the, the real superpower is the friends we made along the way. Yeah, exactly. And she takes it to a, a level that doesn't feel like I'm watching a bad speech from Yu-Gi-Oh! or a Saturday morning cartoon. Uh, it, it feels genuine and you see the logic, uh, but she's also not afraid to punch someone in the face and be like, no. But like that's her last resort, and she does it, you know, very very sp- sparingly. And also, her supporting cast is the best. So I, I that's important. That's yeah. important. And I think, I think I can't remember where, but Koi Boy showed up in a recent issue of a comic, but I don't remember which. Um, I couldn't tell you. Um, I think it was New Mutants. <laughs> uh, that sounds great, and he should. Um, yeah. Also, Doreen is the best because she's not a mutant and she's also not an inhuman. She's just kind of her own thing. And, like, that's addressed in the story where it's, like, she doesn't fit any of these other categories that the Marvel Universe has created for for powered people that are born with powers instead of gaining it through Radioactive Spider or lots of money or building a super suit with special magic particles or living or... magic. Or as my my next character um, did, um, punching the literal heart of a dragon. <laughs> I forgot that's how he got his powers. Um, my <laughs> next favorite Marvel hero is Iron Fist, um, which I talked about in the la- in uh, a previous episode a little bit. Um, and this is one that like Iron Fist became a problematic fave at some point, but I've liked him for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I stand, but like the things I like about him are things that I think are still great. Um, and I I welcome criticism about uh how iron fist is portrayed in, in media but i love iron fist because um to me something that makes a character great is that there's um a central friction to the character there's there's a contradiction and what's so funny about iron fist is um he is um he's like trained and ex- gone on these adventures and explored the world and he's really wise uh in like a real way like he really um is understanding and compassionate and like is a good friend to people and like a good listener. Uh, but he's also a dumb blonde and a himbo. <laughs> and I, I, and that's, I, I like that central friction. I like that he is really capable of giving somebody like good advice, just like, Oh yeah, you should break up with your boyfriend. He's like, he's the kind of person who would say that to you in like an intelligent way, but he's also so stupid. And like, sometimes, uh, you know, sometimes he misses social cues and that gets him into hot water. And I just I like how um, he can do both those things as readily and like the situations it leads him into. Um, and I like all the others, uh, the, the central tensions about where he's like uh, he lives between all these different worlds. And like he um, if you read an Iron Fist series, he comes from money, but he doesn't really feel connected to that money. Um, so he tries to like do charity work in neighborhoods that he does feel connected to. But it turns out they're not really they don't look at him as a member of their community either. And so he's got to back off sometimes. And I just think that like uh, these issues of like, when can you when should you help? When should you step back? When should you assert yourself? And when should you uh, listen? Like the, the questions that are uh, integral to Iron Fist 
are to me like uh, really interesting questions that I think about in my real life in a way that other superheroes uh, don't rep as hard or as well. Yeah, yeah, he's he's had a had a, a bit of a checkered past, but when he's written right, he's written right. Uh, who's your? Did you have a third one? Yeah, I mean, I've got I could I could keep listening, but if I have to pick a third, it's Cut off to three, someone that has been written uh, re- significantly by Kelly Thompson. Uh, and that's right, it is Jeff the Landshark. Uh, I will read any book that features Jeff the Landshark. <laughs> uh, I don't care if it's one panel. Tell me he's in it, and I will buy that book. Um, I do mean that, but I, I more specifically wanted to pick uh, uh, Kate, uh, the new Hawkeye, the better Hawkeye. Not Hawk guy, Hawkeye. But Elias, you've uh, never read Kate's first appearance yet. I know, which is egregious. But uh, but you will write that before next month when I our know, book club I think I've read most of the books that feature her since, though. Um, I read. She's got like a ponderance of good books. Kate, like always, just Kate Bishop is a better mark of quality than almost any other feature in Marvel. Yeah, let's see. She was in. She was in Fraction and and Aha's Hawkeye. She was in West Coast Avengers. She was in her own Hawkeye series. Uh, what's she been doing recently? Uh, you left out the Gill and McKelvey Young Avengers run. Yeah, she's actually she was in that one. Um, I, I mean, that's kind of her central starring list. Um, and she was also a supporting character in um, that America, that America Chavez book. Oh, but I didn't really like that one. I'm sure you liked her in it. That's true. I, maybe she featured more in the second half because I didn't, I didn't read past the, past the first trade. Sorry, Gabby. Well, regardless, what is it about the the one true Hawkeye that uh, that works for you? She's just fun. She's always written as a lot of fun. Uh, where where Clint is is often sad or kind of a jerk or, um, I mean, like Kate also can be kind of a jerk. But there's there's something about Clint that um, he's best when he's really wallowing in his own self pity. Um, but like like that funny sad. Uh, that fraction really captured. Uh, whereas Kate, Kate can run the, the whole gamut, and she's not as great when she's wallowing. She's a lot of fun when she's kind of like the chaos gremlin, uh, trying to be a team leader but also kind of failing. Um, like it's that that scrappy fight that's always great, and it's I I really also like the tension of she comes from money. Her dad is basically a supervillain. But she's like, fuck that. I'm going to go run around with the bow and arrow guy who has become kind of the laughingstock of the Avengers. And I'm going to become the next version of this. But I know that the Young Avengers original series, I think, does more of the work of setting that up. We'll see how you feel after you read it. Yeah, we'll save that because I've only read once she's already kind of accepted the name. Um, I um, It's an interesting... Once she's accepted the name, she's... Tons of fun. It's an interesting theme that uh, throughout Marvel of um, there's a lot of these like rich people who are uncomfortable with their money and then they want to like give back and they do that in various ways. Um, just like interesting thing, right? Because that, that was uh, true about Iron Fist and that's true about Kate Bishop as well. And Iron Man. And Iron Man. Um, my last character, who's a hero that I love, is also a really fun one, um, in my opinion. Or I like I like her because she's fun, and that is She Hulk. I love She Hulk. Mm-hmm. Um, she-Hulk, for people who are not familiar with her, because she's never really had a uh, like media adaptation that's not a comic, um, 
is the cousin of the Hulk. She's a lawyer. And um, although she does have a relationship with anger and strength and turning green and all that, um, the, the main way that her hulkiness asserts itself is she gets really confident. As a human, she's really shy. And as a Hulk, she's really like bombastic and extroverted. And obviously, but obviously it's the same person. So I like that character. And I like the idea of there's so much about superheroes is like putting on masks and taking on a persona, right? And yeah, uh, yeah so I, I, like, uh, I like how with her, her persona is just like the, the her embracing who she wishes she was in sometimes self-destructive ways because she'll like party too hard and trash Avengers Mansion and stuff. Um, and I also like like She-Hulk was uh, be- years before Deadpool knew he was in a comic book. She-Hulk knew she was in a comic. She was doing all sorts of hilarious stuff. Um, she's just been used in like a bunch of cool experimental runs that did different stuff that comics hadn't done before. And she's just got like a really cool history of um, appearing in uh, envelope pushing, groundbreaking stories. Yeah, and I think people should and give her more. An example of a great lawyer character having to deal with whatever the hell law is in the Marvel universe. We're definitely going to have to read some of the She-Hulk run, where um, it turns out that because the Comics Code Authority is a government agency, and Marvel Comics exist in the Marvel universe, all comics are government official government documents and thus admissible as evidence in courts. Oh my god. This is a real plot development in She-Hulk. Yeah, it's in the dance lot run. Oh, okay. I think you'd you'd like it. That's really interesting. Um, But we're not just here to talk about heroes. I don't think we need to get into it as much as we uh, did for the heroes, but um, Elias, do you have any strong feelings about some villains? you just, like, real quick? Um, Yeah. I I don't have as as many, like, I'm like, this villain is the best villain and amazing and whatnot. Um, But some... Some of the villains I really enjoy is uh, Maximus the Mad uh, from the Inhumans because he's oh, such a great, call. yeah, he's a great foil to, uh, you know, to Black Bolt and the Inhumans, and because he's always kind of there and always scheming. And I love those kind of schemey characters, uh, but unlike like a Lex Luthor type, Maximus is just like, I'm here for the chaos, let's go. But he's also still really smart and knows how to, you know, actually manipulate people. Uh, into doing what he wants but he also has like that that side where he he knows that black bolt can totally wreck him so sometimes he'll be like oh you know what i'll actually help you and not completely you know betray you it's kind of like loki in that way well it's like a i was gonna say it's like a batman joker relationship except you got to bring joker home for like thanksgiving dinner yeah because he's your brother Yeah. yeah 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 uh and then also i malekith Malekith in the comics is great. The movies did him so dirty. I know. And I only knew him originally from the movie. I was like, oh, who's this guy? He's kind of boring. And I got to the comics. I'm like, wow, they really screwed him over. Uh, Malekith, the Dark Elf. His introduction through and Jason Thor's run is... Well, Jason Aaron's Thor run. (laughs) Jason Thor. Jason Aaron's Thor run. Be upset to hear that we call him Jason Thor. That's our nickname. Yeah, well, Jason Thor uh, wrote a 72 issues of uh, some series doing something. Uh, anyway, yeah, the his introduction there is it's pitch perfect for the the you know despotic ruler that he is. He's another he's another schemer. I think I like this the schemer villains uh, because yeah, I I love where they'll be on screen or, or, or be on the page and you don't really know what they're up to and 
you can sort of figure out like the local game, but you you're still trying to spin and figure out like what's the bigger game, what what's their long term plan, how does this play into it, how does losing when they obviously don't look, you know, kind of annoyed at losing, um, you know, how does that play in, and how does a setback, how do they react to it? Because someone like Doctor Doom, when you often when he's foiled, he's foiled. He doesn't really have, even though he's doomed, the smartest on the world, he usually doesn't have plans within plans within plans. He'll just go back because he's the ruler of a country and he can bide his time. Uh, so that I, I think the, those two are really the, the top that stick out. If I really had to think, I could probably think of a third, but I don't really have another villain that I'm like, yes, represent best villain. Uh, you don't force it, and uh, oh, those oh, are such interesting mob. <laughs> Which one? The tracksuit mob from Hawkeye. The tracksuit Draculas. Yeah. They call everyone um, bro. Bro, bro. Uh, I mean, there's nothing more to say other than they're great, and I love using <laughs> them. And I kind of hope that I, I feel like other other writers have used them every so often, but they're a lot of fun. Yeah, they're still in Marvel Brooklyn. They 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 exist down there. Yep. Um, what about you? All right. Well, you very quickly were just like, Dr. Doom, he's okay. Dr. Doom is great. Dr. Doom is the <laughs> most highly rated villain in Marvel Comics and is still somehow underrated. Dr. Doom's amazing. All right. The dude is a mad scientist and a wizard. He's got a pet vulture and a pet tiger. His first evil scheme was sending the Fantastic Four back in time to steal Blackbeard's gold, but then the thing became Blackbeard. Marvel canon. <laughs> Uh, he's the dictator of a small country, and he runs it kind of efficiently, but he's a jerk about it. Uh, one time he skinned his girlfriend and walked around in her skin like pajamas. He's really evil. Um, but, like, yeah, Dr. Doom's just, like, the the most villain to me. He's just, like, he does everything the most and thus is the most evil and the best. Fair enough. Um, but if I needed to go a little bit... Uh, off the beaten path um i have a real affinity for the um the iron man villain ghost a version of whom appeared in the film ant-man and the wasp played by hannah john Kamen, an actress who i think is really cool and mm -hmm. while that was like a fun role and like yeah she was in that movie i guess that was whatever um ghost in the comics is completely different and i love him ghost is like an anti-corporation anarchist and that's why he opposes iron man so he's a great villain who's got good points like he wants to bring down Stark's corporation that makes weapons, and he's right to feel that way. And um, he's really sympathetic for that reason. And he's creepy, and he could turn invisible and walk through walls and float around like a ghost. Um, I just think, like, he is genuinely very menacing and spooky, but also, like, I really his motivations are really understandable. And it's a bummer that he's not a more prominent character. Yeah. Um, and my final uh, pick for a favorite villain, if I had to pick a top three, is Taskmaster. Um, this is a difficult to describe one, so I won't get deep into it, but I, uh, there's a mini series by Fred Van Lenthe about Taskmaster that completely recontextualizes his role in like the story of Marvel in a way that, um, I have never forgotten. And I love thinking about it all the time. Um, I'll uh, just implying it. Taskmaster may in fact be one of the greatest heroes of the Marvel universe. Hmm. Um, and um, I love how he set that up. But I also just love that Taskmaster is, um, he's the answer to a stupid question. The stupid question being like, well, where do villains get all these uniform jumpsuit henchmen from? And the answer is that Taskmaster has like a, a, a henchman academy where he teaches you how to fight and then he sends you on your way. And I love that that's the answer to that question. I love that he's like a scrupulous mercenary 
um, who's got like kind of a heart of gold. Just Taskmaster pushes my buttons in a fun way. I like uh, he's kind of like the the Kung Fu Han Solo of Marvel villainy. That's 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 a I guess an apt description. I'm not much of a I I'd only know Taskmaster from the few times that he's shown up in other people's books. I mean that's most you know his of it, powers but, right. Like, that's just a mind. Hmm. You know his powers, right? If he if he sees something once, he can copy it and parry it. Um. Yes, but uh, one thing I can tell you from the, that Van Lenti book is you learn that every time he uses his powers to like absorb a skill that way, it triggers amnesia and he forgets who he is. What? And they so never bring that up out outside of that. No, but his entire life is this memento-like setup where um, he leaves all these clues for him about what he wants the next iteration of himself to do. And then he'll absorb a new skill, and then he'll find the clues, and he'll follow them to whatever destination he set for himself. Wow. And he's, he's playing like a big game. He's, got, he's seeing stuff in a big picture that most Marvel characters can't even imagine. This is amazing, right? Like knowing that you're like, oh my god, every time Taskmaster shows up, it's part of this entire side story that nobody knows about. Yeah. That's a hell of a thing. Would would that Taskmaster book be something like? Would that be the, if you could only read one book ever? Would that be it? Well, so here's the thing about that question: is um, that, that Taskmaster book is like four issues, and if <laughs> I was gonna, if I had to pick like a desert island book that I could stick with, I you know you want like a meaty run, like at least like twenty issues or so. Um, yeah. And um, so I was thinking, like, Simonson Thor, totally, it's an older book, but it totally holds up. It's fantastic, and that's, like, a, a big contender. I love returning to that. But I think it's got to be my favorite that I talk about a great deal, the Abnett Lanning uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Annihilation Saga. Cool. It's real sprawling, um, but, but real consistent. Um, there's a real clarity of vision throughout most of it. Um, and um, it's just real fun watching those characters become the characters that we know from the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Like, they, they weren't that, and they become that throughout the series. And watching that transformation is just so joyous for me every time. It's awesome. Yeah. You got one? You got, like, a Desert Island book? I've got some assumptions, but I'd love to hear yeah, your answer. I've, I mean, the easy answer is to say Jason Aaron's Thor. That's the easy answer. And it could be true. But I'm going to throw a bit of a curveball and say... Uh, the Journey into Mystery run by Karen Gillan. Oh my goodness. Well, please tell me more about that because uh, we're not done talking about that book just yet. I think, so that's one of those books that run is kind of perfect in and of itself. You just read it right one to the end and the best part about it is that it's a character study of this new Loki and like Loki but also it's the run should never have been as good as it was. It was on a book that was probably going to be canceled. Uh, and I think got canceled pretty soon after his run ended. Uh, it continued for about uh, eight or so issues after, yeah. after one left, which so is that's, insane. That's what I mean. Like it's, it survived about another trade or, or so. Um, and then Marvel was like, up oh, canning you. But it, I think it was, it was a tie. It started as a tie-in to an event that was, just supposed to be that, and he spread it out into this 31 issue. Like, beautiful, beautiful story. Uh, that I, I love the, the tagline on that he uses it at the end, but it's, it's a tagline, uh, that's also used on the hardcover. It's that, uh, journey into mystery, a comedy in 31 issues, a tragedy in 32. 
I love so, Karen. I love that. I love reaching and being like, oh, how is it gonna? How is it gonna work? And it totally is. And I could read that over and over and over again. Uh, and I, I, I might have picked something shorter like uh, Saladin Ahmed and Christian Ward's Black Bolt, but that's kind of short. In the same way, uh, like you said, it's hard to pick because there are a lot of really great small runs. But something that's large and sprawling, uh, and uh, su- substantial. Like uh, if you read yeah. it multiple times, it'll pay back. Even if you know the yeah. twist coming, there's a lot of uh, substance to it. Yeah, it's not like just reading a hundred issues of X Men and being like, "Great." I mean, um, it could well, be fine, but a yeah, hundred how dare you? X-Men starts to get you start to have a, a enough duds that it may not work. Um, but it's so funny that you bring up Journey into Mystery because I was just about to ask you if uh, there was a Marvel book that had like a special place in your heart that was there for you at like a, a, a you know at a tough time or not even a tough time but just like at a significant juncture. And uh, my answer to that I was thinking is Journey into Mystery by Karen Gillan, that exact run that you're describing. Interesting. I um, I might pick this. I might pick the same run actually. Yeah. Where that. were you? What was going on with you in that when you were reading that? So what I was reading that. In, uh, in college, I I was I had checked it out of the library, um, and it was just I I was a, uh, I think it was freshman year, and it was just kind of felt really aimless, and I needed something that was was meaty, and I, it just hit me at the right time, uh, and uh, I needed that good good cry at the end, and this gave me that good good cry. Yeah, that's a big part of uh, the significance for me, too. Uh, this yeah. is also really illustrative. And I'm going to harp on this. I, like, love talking about generational differences and age differences between people um, in a hopefully affectionate way. And people who are older than me often get very annoyed by this, and I apologize. But you're younger than me, so that uh, that I don't I hope I'm not, uh, you, unless you get offended by that. Um, no. But um, so that book came out for, uh, right when um, Journey into Mystery came out when I had just graduated college. Um, and I was in my twenties and I was living in my first apartment with my girlfriend and a bunch of friends. It was an interesting living situation. Um, I was working at a comic shop that, that was my, uh, first big job at a co- college at a Midtown comics, uh, on 45th and Lexington, which is the better of the Midtown comic stores, obviously. <laughs> um, obviously. And that journey into mystery book, uh, just like it was, uh, coming out, I, was following it and it was fantastic but like i was just like learning about myself a lot at that time i was uh, confronting a bunch of mental health issues i had been living with for a long time um mm-hmm. i had uh, my anxiety at that point had not really gone diagnosed or treated and that's gonna be a very big part of my life is uh managing anxiety but like so as i was thinking about that i was reading about kid loki and um just like projecting a lot and his struggle really like matched with mine and like you said i needed that big cry at the end and that big cry lasted like three weeks for me at the end of it, I just kept on thinking about it and crying. And the other thing is, um, I made a lot of friends over that book, which is going to be a theme for me going like, um, I love comics that bring people together. Um, and mm-hmm. Kieran Bill- Gillen books have been that for me a lot in, my, in the recent years of my life. Like, uh, I make friends who are other Kieran Gillen fans. And, um, the only thing I know about them is that they like Kieran Gillen comics. And then it turns out that they're cool people besides that. And, um, that describes a bunch of, uh, people who are dear to me. Um, and Journey into Mystery specifically, uh, there was this woman who used to shop at Midtown Comics. Um, she does not live in the United States right now, so I don't know where she gets her comics from. But she um, 
I just saw her buying it. I'm like, great book, right? And then we were best friends for years after that. That was it. That's all it took. Um, her name is Kristen, and I'm going to do everything it takes to make sure she listens to this episode and knows that I'm shouting her out with a lot of love because do I miss her it. so much. Do it. And she's in Korea now, I believe. And um, I just like, I hope she's still keeping up with Karen books. And uh, she can tell me some other cool comics that I'm not reading because Kristen has good taste. That's important. <laughs> important to have friends with good taste and then also important to have friends with bad but weird taste um equally important um so that's it for you too it like a uh, journey into mystery just like was a, a definitive book for you yeah i mean like i've talked about j michael straczynski's spider-man run so many times because that was that was that initial book um but also because i it was reading it with my dad over the course of many many months uh i just have a lot of fond memories reading all of those issues even even the ones that are like pretty reviled now uh including like civil war itself um i just remember enjoying every single issue um and absolutely i i think that everyone needs to be a lot more open about being critical about books that like were important to them and that they've liked at a time like i think it's yeah, weird to I, about that i remembered almost nothing about sin's past I didn't even know that people hated it until very recently. Um, I had also kind of just forgotten about it. But as like, I, original? Remember, I remember reading that with him and not really thinking I was also eight, nine, probably too young. <laughs> but it was uh, maybe 10. Like, I remember liking bits and pieces of it. I thought it was really interesting and, and kind of weird. But I also didn't have any context. Like I had no idea why people were so mad until like people started talking about it. I'm like, oh, that's why this thing's hated so much. That was a stupid move. Come on, dude. That's super uh, gross. That is super gross. <laughs> but like, uh, just another... the idea of, uh, I think all I remember was the idea of, of uh, Gwen having kids and like them coming back. And like those, those two, I liked that idea. Everything else was bad. Yeah, uh, bad, gross Marvel decisions are also a theme of talking about Marvel. And I, I think um, just, like, having an open heart and understanding that that's terrible, but, like, also kind of titillating and how being mad about it is part of the fun, I think is just, like, a key element to enjoying Marvel. And even though that sounds, like, ridiculous to people, um, that, like, being mad is part of the fun, I think everyone's doing it in some avenue in their life, even if they're not oh, acknowledging yeah. it. I watch a lot of terrible movies with friends, and we enjoy ripping them to shreds. Yeah, I've been digging a bunch of, like, uh, Netflix reality shows that I find morally repugnant that I'm just like, oh my god, but I cannot turn it off. Speaking of controversial hot takes, the MCU, good or bad, go. <laughs> um, the MCU is good only only good or bad we can't explain it has to be a a, a binary <laughs> um yeah the mcu is good uh, i yeah mcu good or bad allies mcu good i have to fall on the mcu good side because there's a lot that i like but like oh boy if you had asked me pre-avengers i probably would have said Actually, I was super. I was stoked. I was stoked after watching Captain America because I saw that. That was the first of the MCU I saw in theaters. And I was like, "Oh my god, they've been building to this Avengers movie!" 
like it blew my mind. Sure, I I I, I lived life at that time. I remember what it was like. We all were like that. It was crazy. Yeah. No, <laughs> Who would was, have thought? It was, it was ridiculous, especially after like everyone. People didn't really like Iron Man. I know, like the greater like the people I talked to, they're like Iron Man's okay. The movie Iron Man 2 people really didn't like Incredible Hulk's bad. Thor people thought was really boring, and I had a lot of fun with it. But again. J. Michael Straczynski wrote the screenplay. And he makes a lovely uh, cameo. Yeah. And then Captain America, the win- uh, first Avenger, I thought was a great film to introduce Captain America. I do, I do kind of wish they had, they had kind of touched on uh, the miniseries The Truth, but that would have complicated things. Yeah. Would have, I mean, would have avoided the feel-good World War II were the good guys. Good stuff. Uh <laughs> There are very few MCU movies I actually don't like. Um, like, I, but you mentioned The Incredible Hulk, and that movie's a stinker. Um, I think that there's like a really interesting discussion to have about how the Marvel movies created this assembly line for a really watchable movie, and then they followed that assembly line procedure to a t- like it's like the IKEA furniture of movies, right? I like own a bunch of IKEA furniture, and it does the job, but like it's not as beautiful as like a a hand carved antique desk or something. Yeah. Um, but like I, you know, I like my IKEA bookshelf just fine. Um, and there's some Marvel movies I really like. Um, but my big trepidation about the Marvel movies is my real love and loyalty and um, enthusiasm is for the comics. And most of the time, the movies have a really adverse effect on the comics. And uh, this has been a sticking point to me, where. Yeah. Uh, continuity gets thrown out as if the movies were the continuity because they assume that's what people are more familiar with or there's really misguided stories in order to um kind of shoehorn in a story to make it more similar to something that occurred in the movie um and just by and large i find that the movies are a pretty poor influence on the comics and i like the movies better when they follow the comics and i like the comics worse when they follow the movies yeah i feel you on that i um I hear that criticism a lot, and I totally agree that, you know, the MCU, problem with them is that it's, they become super formulaic, and even when they get, like, there are things that break the formula, like, Doctor Strange is not exactly a great movie, I know, I, I, I like it, but really I like the visuals better, what, what they did with the visuals and translating Doctor Strange to the screen, I thought was great, and it could have been a real stinker. But it wasn't right. The, the story and the performances are very generic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm right there with you. But uh, yeah. Uh, but it's and, stylish, and that makes it. And this, and it's Doctor Strange. You could have gone really weird, kind of lean yeah. hard into that horror. And I think the MCU has lost a lot of its Phase One. What it did in Phase One, argue whether or not it's good or bad. The movies felt. The, the not that they had more of a soul. Uh, yeah, I really like the, the, the Infinity War Endgame. Like, build this universe, create, uh, interconnect it with the um, the after credit scenes and 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 whatnot. But it they felt like indie movies. I mean, and the I first wish that Marvel would allow the directors and the writers to take more risk. I wish that they would allow the movies to get weird, and I. Wish I'm going to push would... back on this idea, Elias. I yeah. think that you're being yeah. disingenuous and like, because 
the two movies before um, Infinity War were Black Panther, mm-hmm. which, um, while a very traditional superhero movie, like uh, was a very uh, politically astute movie, and I think that's what a lot of people uh, were drawn to. And like it, I, a couple of years later, it feels like it holds up. And uh, Thor Ragnarok, which is one of the weirdest movies ever made. That movie is a riot. Yeah. So I, so, I still think uh, they have. There's still some experimentation happening in the MCU. But once you become McDonald's, it's like kind of hard to treat you like your mom and pop joint. Yeah, and I I kind of hope that they that Phase Four lets them move out, change change things up, um, really bring in some of. I mean, we're getting an Eternals Eternals movie, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, no, I, I kind of hope that like I know this is probably kind of stereotypical, but like the Shang Chi movie leans into the Hong Kong uh, martial arts style of of movies like from the 70s and 80s uh i i hope they like take inspiration from those instead of our action films from the last 20 30 years because it, it's a martial arts movie i wish that i hope that dr strange mountains of madness actually leans into ho- cosmic horror or uh like the eternals goes full space opera instead of this weird mix and we'll find out. We'll see. Uh, Dis- Disney has a lot to say, and Disney is pretty terrible about making uh, franchise decisions other than making them good or watchable. And sometimes, like, I still love Endgame and Infinity War. I love what they did, but at the same time, I do acknowledge that they're they're pretty, not not basic, but like, they're very straightforward. Um, I mean, but again, is that is that true? Like, uh, especially um, Endgame's an insane movie. Endgame's like three different weird movies weirdly grafted together. Like, it's. I feel like a, what's getting mistaken here is not that um, not that they're formulaic or the same as everything else. It's just that they've become so big and such a it's so institutionalized that. Um, they lose a little bit of their scrappy vitality. And that's kind of how Marvel Comics felt too, right? Like Marvel Comics, as a, when you're a comics fan, you're like, oh, I like this, but maybe I got bullied in school about this or like my parents think this is a dumb hobby or whatever mm-hmm. uh, growing up. And that's how the movies felt where you're just like, oh, am I the only one who likes these stupid superhero movies that are like ostensibly for kids? I love them. And then it turns out, no, the entire world loves them and it's the favorite thing in the world. And some people love them in the wrong way. And some people love them in like a Nazi way. And just like when when they get that big and then also like they become monolithic and they start um, elbowing other things out. Like are there movies that didn't get funding because Marvel movies are getting funded? Um, I feel like – Probably, and that's, that's I think a bigger criticism of Disney owning over 70% of the movie – Of the world. Everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's like a lot of incidental stuff about how the business of those movies got made that obviously you can't ignore. But like, man, just like criticizing them is tough because every time one comes out, I go and I see it and I have a great time. And sometimes it sticks with me and it's like a movie that I really like. And sometimes it doesn't stick with me. And it's Spider-Man Far From Home. And it was like, I saw that and it was fine. Jake Gyllenhaal was weird. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. No, no, I was just I was just agreeing. Oh, well. I feel like we're getting kind of short on time, and um, I had a, have one more fun question to close us out uh, that I just like want to hear your answer about this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's well known; it's just like an undisputed fact that in the Marvel universe, uh, the greatest rogues gallery belongs to Spider-Man. He's got the, the best lineup of villains of any hero. 
Um, so we're not even disputing the best rogues gallery. It goes to Spider-Man. But who got number two? That's my question, Elias. Who is the second best rogues gallery in Marvel? I think that's a difficult question. Right? The distance between one and two at Marvel is huge. Yeah. And I don't... I feel like I have not read enough Marvel comics to actually be like, these people have the best, uh, second best. Because, like, you could make the case... I mean, obviously, this is true. truth. For most things, you can make the case for a lot of different... Uh, a lot of different heroes but like my gut reaction is daredevil yeah and i think that's because daredevil and spider-man share a lot of villains that's true like kingpin is definitely a villain who you can mess with spider-man but he's like the definitive daredevil villain kingpin was originally a spider-man villain yeah i mean all, all those <laughs> Uh, but that, and that, that's actually a real strong argument in favor of what you're saying, because Daredevil's relationship with his villains is so rich and personal that he can whisk villains away from other heroes because suddenly uh, like they're consumed with how much they feel for Daredevil. Yeah. They'll become his soulmate. So his I, I, th I think I would have to go with Daredevil. What about you? I'm really that's curious. Like a good answer. I'm kind of reassessing mine, but... Um, Mine is the other uh, Stan Lee uh, book that was, that was popular from the time that Spider-Man was, which is Fantastic Four. Mm -hmm. um, I mentioned at the top, I think Doctor Doom is the greatest villain ever, and I would stand by that. And we're going to read some Doom books on this pod. But, like, um, I don't know. The, the weirder Fantastic Four villains are great. Mole Man is a great idea for a villain. And um, so, and you got a Nihilus. A lot of, uh, like, the Inhumans and Black Panther characters start off as Fantastic Four characters. Um so, like, Maximus kind of gets folded in. You could have a Maximus fighting the Fantastic Four story, no problem. But then, like, the yeah. weird ones that just, but like, the Red Ghost. You ever met him? No. He's a Russian mad scientist with his four super apes, who are his uh, sidekicks. <laughs> and um, there's, the Dia there's Diablo, who was, like, an alchemist from, uh, I think, Spain, but from Europe in, like, the Renaissance. And he has kept himself alive by doing, like, freaky alchemy experiments. And he's a cool villain. Um... And Puppet Master is real scary. Just like the Fantastic Four have a great pantheon of villains, but because Fantastic Four's uh, the peak of their popularity was their debut in the '60s, I feel like a lot of people overlooked the Fantastic Four. But there's been great Fantastic Four comics since. Wow. So yeah, I, I have to consider Daredevil. That's a that great was, answer. That was one of the one of the other ones where I'm like, ah, oh, the Fantastic Four, because like Doom, Doom overshadows so much. But I had to go with Daredevil because he's got a. I feel like he's got a better Rose Gallery. Um, Blackness but, is a Fantastic Four villain. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Daredevil's got a shotgun. He's a guy with a shotgun. Yep, he's got the bullseye. Matador. The Matador. He's got the owl. I do love the owl. He's got. I mean, Kingpin. Kingpin really sits at the top there. No, there's the some cool Daredevil villains. That uh, there's Mister Fear. Mister Fear is kind of scary and underrated. Oh, yeah. He's like Marvel Scarecrow. There's the guy from Charles Soule's run that I can't remember his name. The painter. That guy's creepy as hell. Oh, yeah, and there was uh, Ten Fingers was a villain oh. in that run. Yeah, Ten Fingers yeah. was gross. And uh, in the run before that, in the, um, in the Wade Samney run, there was Ikari the Fury, and that was like the, you know, real short-lived, but real cool villain. Yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, that's funny, though. So we have, like, a lot of books to be reading, Elias, and so our, our request is getting ever longer. But uh, just to remind people, our next book club book is we're reading the first 12 issues of Young Avengers by uh, Heinberg and Chung. 
And um, if you want to read along with us, that's great. And if you don't, we're going to try to talk about the book in such a way that you can still have fun with it, even if you haven't read it. Um, but if you if you can, check it out at your library. Maybe they got a copy. Yeah. And um, in general, Elias, where can folks find you? They can find me on Twitter at Quetzal-ish, Q-U-E-T-Z-E-L-I-S-H. I don't check particularly often, but if you, uh, you know, ping me, I will, I will see it. Uh, my DMs are not open because I would like to not receive a lot of messages from, from random people telling me how wrong I am. Uh, but I, if you would like to do that, please do it publicly. Uh, and I will try my best to answer. Uh, but again, it may not be timely, and I may just ignore it. Uh, I'm on Twitter as well, and you can find me at rambling underscore moose. Um, I don't know if my DMs are open. I imagine they are. I don't think I've closed them. And like, try DMing me. We'll just see what happens. And uh, maybe I'll regret that in the next episode, and I'll let you all know. But right now, yeah, I think my DMs are open. And if not, then I'm a liar, and that's terrible. Um Elias and I also are both contributors and editors, and we do all sorts of work for multiversitycomics.com. And you should check out that website. It's pretty great. That it is. That's where uh, we're hosting. That's, yeah, that's it for us this week, guys. Uh, we're looking forward to hearing from you, and uh, we hope you join us next time to discuss Young Avengers, the first 12 issues. See you then. Excelsior. Excelsior. Excelsior.